The passage we're looking at today from the Bible is from Philippians chapter 3. So Philippians chapter 3 on page 1180, starting at verse 1. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard to you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have arrived already at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Sarah. Chapter 3, verse 1. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Now, I guess uh, we know that um, that joy and happiness are a little bit different. So happiness is a a temporary state. It might be that your happy place is going down to the beach with fish and chips, watching the sunset. Uh, It might be in front of a roaring fire of a hot chocolate, a weighted blanket, and a good film. Uh, It might be recognising that England have successfully chased down 270 plus in three innings. Or it might be going to the fridge, getting that bar of dairy milk, the snap that you get, because chocolate should be in the fridge, and then just taking it from there. But then, of course, we recognise, don't we, that often we go to the beach uh, and it rains, uh, the fire does go out. Uh, you, uh, the England cricket team concede 35 in one over. 
and you go to the fridge and somebody else has beaten you to it. Uh, you know, happiness comes and, and it goes, but joy, joy's a bit different, isn't it? Uh, joy's a, a bit longer lasting. Uh, and we might think of ways that we gain joy. It might be from a, a spouse or children. It, it might be from a job. But I guess also, even of those, they sometimes let us down. If you've never had an argument with a spouse or a child, please speak at the end. I'd love to know the secret. Or you've never had that bad day at the office. No, there is only, only one, only one that will never let us down. Rejoice in the Lord. Uh, he will never fail, never let us down. Uh, he is unchanging. Uh, he is always there and he is always enough. Rejoice in the Lord. And that's the, the big idea uh, Paul wants to impress upon us this morning. And to the readers in Philippi, uh, if there's one thing to remember, it's this. Rejoice in the Lord. And then the rest of the passage, he unpacks a bit why and how and then gives an example from his own life. So let's pray uh, as we start this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is good. And we pray today just a little bit, just get a little glimpse of who you are and why we should and can rejoice in you, that you are our basis and our reason for joy today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Um, when I was growing up, I, I was told all sorts of advice by my parents, often, you know, eat you know, your five a day, your fruit and veg, sleep before midnight is worth twice as much as sleep after midnight, uh, you know, stop, look, and listen. Uh, advice which is sort of, sort of timeless, because I find myself telling that to my own kids. And I wonder if there might be advice that you've been told, and the same sort of stuff maybe. And I wonder actually if the reason for that is that it's just, it's really good. It's a really uh, good bit of advice. Uh, and it's good because it also keeps us safe. It, it's good for us. It, it's for our benefit. And did you hear what Paul said at the second half of verse 1? It's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again and it is a safeguard for you. It's no trouble to write the same things again. Uh, this is Paul, both in what he's written and in other letters, but actually also what he's told the Philippians when he was with them. Uh, it's the same things. You see, that the Christian life it is not about jumping here, there, and everywhere and going to something new. It's about the same message. It's about drinking from the same fountain Day after day after day, about going into the same mine and enriching its, uh, its jewels and its treasure day after day after day. It's going deeper into Jesus. You see, the Christian life is never about moving away from him. It's about going deeper and deeper into him. And so that's why Paul says, verse 2, uh, watch out. He says, you know, put your, your hazard perception goggles on. Uh, watch out. Watch out for anybody that's going to drive you away from Jesus. Uh, and in particular here, uh, he has in mind uh, people who are saying, oh, it's, it's great you've got Jesus, but, but you've got to add to that as well. And specifically, you've got to add uh, circumcision. 
Good, you've got Jesus, but he's not enough. You've got to go somewhere else as well. And Paul has some strong words for them. Verse 2, watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. Dogs. Uh, before Morag and I had children, we had a dog. Uh, this is Marley. Uh, he was a lovely dog. Uh, I could speak lots about Marley. Uh, this is not what Paul has in mind. Paul has this in mind. Uh, dogs, uh, to him, were those who lived outside, uh, those who were filthy scavengers, uh, who would pull apart and take and get what they could. Uh, dogs is the title that Jews use for Gentiles. And Paul is saying, look, anybody who drives away from Christ is a dog, a scavenger. He calls them uh, evildoers, those who are acting against God. He calls them uh, mutilators of the flesh, those who think that they're signing themselves a covenant, but really all they're doing is harming people physically. He says, look, you who think you're the insiders, actually you're the outsiders. You who think you're you're being signed with God's special promise, actually it's the opposite of what's happening. Uh, Verse 3, he says, for it is we who are the circumcision, Uh, we who serve God by his spirit, we who boast in Christ, we who put no confidence uh, in the flesh. He's saying, look, actually, it's we, it's the church. We're the ones who are the recipients of God's promise, God's covenant. Uh, That's what he means by circumcision. Uh, Circumcision was a sign that the God's people were were part of his promise. Uh, But circumcision was always a physical sign and accompanied by faith. It was both. It was having a a physical sign and it was having a a circumcised heart. Uh, Deuteronomy 30 verse 6 uh, says, The Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants so that you may love him with all your heart and with all your soul and live. God's people were always meant to have a circumcised heart. Uh, Now actually, um, I, I... Spoke about this a few weeks ago in Joshua 5 in the evening sermon. Uh, So you can go and uh, listen to that one, go onto YouTube and find it out. Uh, But briefly, uh, what Paul means is saying, actually, he's not saying that we're the ones who are going to be circumcised again. No, he's saying we're the ones who, by faith, are trusting God's promise. Uh, We're the ones who have uh, circumcised hearts. Uh, uh, Tim Keller has said this about what it means. He says, look, uh, this is what a circumcised heart is. It's when what you ought to do and what you want to do are the same. What you ought to do and what you want to do uh, are the same. He's saying we're the ones who want to please God. We're the ones who want to follow him. Not you. The flesh can do nothing to bring you into God's family. Only faith. And it's almost as if Paul has that. He knows what they're thinking. When he's writing this letter, he can imagine the question forming in their head. And he says, look, you don't believe me? Well, let me just use my own example, my, my own life. And he gives his own uh, CV, verses 4 to 7. Now, of course, CVs are, are designed to impress, aren't they? We've perhaps all written CVs. And we've probably all, you know, 
big up the big things and maybe just a bit quiet about some of the smaller things. But, but Paul here is bigging himself up. He says, if you think what you've done and who you are matters, well, well let, you, let me tell you about me. He, he says, look, I, I was circumcised on the eighth day, just like any good Jew should have been. Now, I'm part of God's people. I'm, I'm from the, the tribe of Benjamin, one of the favored, beloved tribes. You know, just Judah and Benjamin, the two faithful tribes. I kept the law like a Pharisee. Uh, in fact, I, I was so zealous to keep the law that I, I persecuted the church. And if you were to look at me, I'd be faultless. I'd be blameless before the Lord. Who I am, my, my heritage and what I've done is impressive. But Paul's saying, that means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. It would almost be, he's saying, look, it would be like um, being sort of related to, to Bill Gates. And Bill Gates promising you, saying, look, I will give you all of my inheritance. Saying, oh, no, I, I don't want that. I, I'll use my, my piggy bank money that I've got, you know, my few coins here. That'll be enough. It's, it's ridiculous. It, it, it means nothing. And so more than that, uh, verse 8 and verse 7, he says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Verse 8, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Garbage. My, who I am, what I've done is garbage. Everything is garbage compared to knowing Jesus. In fact, uh, some may know that word garbage, it's, it's quite a polite way of putting it. Uh, really, it, it sort of means more sort of excrement. But it can also mean uh, the things you'd throw outside for dogs to eat. Uh, and I think that's probably what Paul is getting at. Any effort to, to, to bring ourselves into to God's family based on who we are, what we've done, it's useless. It's just going to be, be fit to be tossed outside for the dogs to eat. And so those, those dogs, those who, who rely on circumcision, they can have it. It's worthless. It's nothing. Because, verse 9, all I have, all I need is Christ. Verse 9, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, that comes from the law, from doing things. But that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Faith is all we need. Uh, the reformer Martin Luther uh, at one point said he hated God. He hated God because he was trying to live this life. He was the one who was trying to, to be a, a Pharisee, effectively, trying to, to be someone who earned his way to God. And he said, look, God is, is righteous. He's perfect. He's good. And I'm nothing but a sinful wretch. And God demands this righteousness from me. And I can't do it, so I hate him. But then he realized, as he actually studied Romans 1.17, let me just read that for you. Uh, Romans 1.17, for in the, the gospel of God 
is revealed a righteousness by faith from first to last. Just as written, the righteous will live by faith. He realized, Muslim, that passage, which is the same here, uh, a righteousness comes from faith, that actually it's not about him, it's about God. Uh, and he said these words. I realized for the first time that my own justification, that means my own kind of right, being right with God, that depends not on my own righteousness, which will always fall short, but it rests solely and completely on the righteousness of Jesus Christ, which I must hold on to by trusting faith. Solely and completely about him, not about me. So then, what does this mean for us? You know, what would our uh, spiritual CV say? I was uh, baptised as a baby or older. I came to church. I went through all the Sunday school groups. I went to a church school. I went to the youth group. I went to boys' brigade. I, I, I'm part of a small group. I, I come to both services, sometimes even the 8 o'clock. I have a small group. I go to the prayer meeting. I, I go to Keswick each year. I give 15%. I invite people to Alpha. And actually, I, I, I try and follow Jesus' teachings. Now, let me say, actually, all of those things are good things. They are all good things to do. Uh, all good uh, things to, to, to be appreciative of. To be raised up knowing Jesus is a great blessing. To live for him it is a great blessing. But the second that, that we say what we've done, what we do, is more important than what God has done, we're clinging on to garbage. The second I place my security and my hope, thinking I've gone to church this week, so God's pleased with me. It's worthless. A helpful question to ask ourselves is that uh, God is pleased with me today because dot 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 dot. How do you fill that sentence in? God is pleased with me today because. Well, the, the answer is not because I'm sat here on a Sunday morning. It's not because I've given. It's not because I've had my quiet time this morning. The answer is God is pleased me today because by Christ I am accepted, I am valued. Christ has taken hold of me and brought me into his kingdom. All those things are good things, but compared to knowing Jesus, they are garbage. In fact, more than that, everything is a loss. Everything is a loss compared to being known and knowing Jesus. Whatever job we have, wherever we go on holiday, whatever house we live in, whatever we make week by month by month, whatever relationships we're in, whether we're known as famous or not known, all of it is a loss compared to knowing Jesus. But also put positively, it doesn't matter what job you have. It doesn't matter where you go on holiday to Bogna or Barbados. It doesn't matter how much you get in your pay packet. It doesn't matter if you're in a relationship or not. It doesn't matter if the world knows you or not. It matters that Jesus knows and loves you. 
You have everything if you have Jesus. And Paul is just pouring his heart out to the people to tell them that. And he knows that actually that he's writing this church and life is not going to be easy. He's not writing to a church who are sitting comfortably. He's writing to a church in a hugely secular world who are being persecuted for their faith. He knows that. And so that's why he continues and writes verses 10 and 11. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. You see, Paul is saying that the resurrection changes everything. That the resurrection is not like the, the next iPhone upgrade. Just, you know, it's got a slightly bigger screen, a slightly better processor. It's the same, but a little bit different. No, the resurrection is something completely new. And it changes everything. You know, because Jesus really did live, because he really did die, because he really rose again and is ascended, it means that today, Whatever you're facing, your future is secure and certain, and you can live for him. The people in Philippi are facing oppression and persecution, but because Jesus is alive, they can keep going. What about you? It might be that it's unlikely we're facing oppression and persecution, but it it might be that we're facing another day looking at the computer screen. It might be that we're facing another day looking at the same four walls that we always seem to be looking at. It might be that we face another day just feeling slightly on the outside of things. Friends at school, just feeling a little bit like we don't belong. But the resurrection is true. Jesus is alive. And so however our circumstance or situation, we're enabled by the power of the resurrection to stand firm, to join with Jesus in his sufferings, to to know that power and to live for him day by day. So where does that leave us? Well, it leaves us with verses 12 to 14. Verse 12, "Not, not that I've already obtained all this, who have already arrived at my goal. Uh, Paul knows that actually that, that he's on a journey. He's not saying I've arrived. No, the goal is ahead. Uh, and he is, he is moving on towards it. Uh, so his, goal, his, his job, therefore, uh, verse 12, I haven't arrived at my goal, but I press on. I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Verse 13. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straying towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, press on. Remind yourselves of these truths. That's why it's good to to get stuck into the Bible each day, to to remind yourselves of it. That's why it's good to sing songs on Sunday, but actually to sing in the week. Just get your phone out and play some playlists that help you to to lift up your heads and your hearts. It's good to text friends and say, 
Jesus is alive. Keep going. It's good to chat with friends over coffee, on the phone, over letters. It's good to keep going, to, to press on. Because anything else we cling to, it's like garbage in our hands. When we've got gold, press on. Now, uh, when I was at school, I had to do a cross-country. I don't even like doing cross-countries. There's a few, okay. We ignore those people. Um, but what, the one thing I liked to do was to, 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 to lead the cross-country. Uh, and the way I would do that is that, you know, they, they, you'd get the whole school lined up, and they'd say, on your marks, get set, go. And then it'd go, I would leg it as fast as I could. Because then I could look round and go, I'm winning! Very soon, you know, you'd be passed. Yeah. Being a Christian, pressing on, is like the cross-country race. It's, it's not about sprinting out ahead. It's day by day. Step by step, pressing on. And actually, the race illustration is helpful, but it's also unhelpful because it's not about even winning. It's about finishing. Most people that that join the London Marathon, they're not thinking, I'm going to win the London Marathon. They don't even care where they come. They care about finishing. And that's what Paul is saying here. It's about finishing. It's about pressing on day by day, going the race, step after step. And I guess for most of us, it's not going to be challenging because we're going to get sucked, be facing persecution. It's going to be challenging because life can be easy and comfortable. And the idea of sort of stepping on, actually, it's much easier to sit on the sofa. Paul's saying, no, press on. Christ has taken hold of you. And now press on to take hold of the goal to which we've been called. In other words... Rejoice in the Lord. It's not temporary. It's the thing that will hold you and keep you day by day by day. Rejoice in the Lord day by day by day. Even when life is tough or when life is easy, rejoice in the Lord.